Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. Taco Tuesday is back. I'm Alex Padilla at Alex Padilla 86. He's Alex Regla at Alex M. Regla. There is no off-season here at SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Uh, we're going to start something called the season in review series while there's still stuff to talk about but before we get into everything that we're going to get into alex regla question how's the championship hangover treating you you know what like it's been cool like i i wake up in a good mood you know like i don't have to worry about if the lakers are going to win that game or play tonight or having to like write anything about them anymore it's been really nice, but unfortunately, there's this team called the Dodgers in Los Angeles who's yeah. kind of all the stress I had with the Lakers just feels like it got multiplied Transfer. 10 times with the Dodgers. Yeah, I I know, I mean, I I used to know what you were talking about until the Dodgers eliminated the team that I root for, the Padres, but that's a whole other story. But yes, I can see I think that you're not alone. Do you feel that stress coming from your Twitter account because I see it a lot of my friends, listen, I grew up in Oxnard, so I, I, I grew up with nothing but Dodger fans. Are you seeing it all over your Twitter timeline? Are you, like, nervous tweeting as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Like, it's it, like game seven against the uh, Braves was just torture. It was it was horrible. Like, it obviously, the end result was great, yeah. and it was a lot of fun and very dramatic, but watching that as a fan of the Dodgers uh, was not was not uh, not pleasant. The Lakers won the championship on October 11th. Is that the yeah. right date? Yes, October 11th, Sunday. Today is October 20th. I'm still waiting for my championship shirt to arrive. I haven't got that Did you yet. order... Uh, like I, I like getting bootleg championship shirts here. What I like to get. Ah, I got the official uh, championship fancy. shirt because I actually liked it. Yeah, I actually liked it. I never do. I always find them to be ugly or cheesy, but... I ordered it that night. It's probably because I had a few drinks, if you know <laughs> what I mean. And then I just decided to order it. Um, you know, Apple Pay makes everything really difficult to mm-hmm. not buy immediately because all you got to do is hit buy. And then all of a sudden it shows up at your doorstep. Uh, so I'm still waiting on that. But other than that, this 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 feeling does not get old. Not get does not get old at all, man. Oh, yeah. It's still it feels like that happened like months ago. Right. It just it just happened. But yeah, like I. Like you said, we're already heading into the off season, and we're already kind of looking forward. And yeah, it looks like today we got some news about that too. Yeah, before we get to that news, something that we didn't talk about before uh, we started recording here, I do want to bring it up though, because before we get into like the serious stuff, like the off season news, contracts, free agency, like let's have a little fun real quick, okay? Space Jam 2. Oh, yeah. Big news. The the plot of the movie has been released. Did you read the plot of the I, movie? I, I skimmed it, yeah. So I'll just read it real quick because, honestly, if Warner Brothers put some real money into this and does it and did it correctly, like it could be pretty cool. Let me just read it for you. During a trip to the Warner Brothers studio, NBA superstar LeBron James and his son accidentally get trapped within a crowd that contains all of Warner Brothers' stories and characters. Under the control of a malfunctioning, all-powerful force named Al G, played by Don (laughs) Cheadle. 
With the help of Bugs Bunny, LeBron must navigate through a never-before-imagined world filled with iconic movie scenes and characters as they reassemble the Looney Tunes to rescue his lost son. Now, to get back home, LeBron and the Tunes have to unravel Al G's mysterious plan and win an epic basketball game against the digital gamified super versions of the NBA and WNBA's biggest stars as the entire world watches. So, what I read from this, last time... The Monstars were the bad guys, right? Be- but they took powers from the real superstars. Does this last sentence here, against digital gamified super versions of the NBA and WA and Biggest Stars, are we going to see like all the players like as villains? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So are they like hol- holograms? So they're going to look like themselves, but like super buff and, 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 and oh, cartoonified? Okay. Yeah, I, I totally skip past that part you're probably right yeah so they're kind of what's standing in the way of lebron in this in this movie i guess yeah so when i read this i was like okay this sounds very interesting because warner brothers if i'm looking at this correctly scooby-doo aquaman joker harry potter wonder woman inception interstellar pennywise matrix dark knight happy feet (laughs) Beetlejuice, Mad Max, Ready Player One, The Shining, Green Mile, Tomb Raider, Lego movies, Shazam. I'm just saying, like, the possibilities are endless with this thing. Like, what? (laughs) Like, going off... Those are all Warner Brother... Those are all Warner Brother movies or films that produced by Warner Brothers. So I don't really know exactly what qualifies as a Warner Brothers movie, but those are all Warner Brother... so going films. off that list, like yeah, I don't even know what's what rights they have of any of those characters in movies, but all, of all those people you listed, who do you think LeBron would want to face least? Like if his life and his son's life were on the stake, like Jack Torrance from The Shining, like does he not want to post him up? I mean, how do you even compare like going up against Harry Potter? Like he could just put some spells on people. Like everybody else. Or Shazam. Shazam is unstoppable. Probably just Beetlejuice would be like. Imagine LeBron saying Beetlejuice three times, and all of a sudden he's on their team. It's gonna be very interesting stuff, man. I'm gonna be. I don't know when that movie's coming out because I don't know when movies are ever coming out ever anymore. But very interested to see Space Jam two because I am a big fan of Space Jam one. So, anyways, that's the uh, that's the fun stuff going into today. Today's actual news, and this is a headline that I would never have expected to read to you guys today the lakers reportedly requesting career ending injury application for luol dang dang is owed 10 million dollars over the next two years so alex regla the details of this are sloppy the the result of this is unknown but the importance of this is huge so, can you explain to people listening today, because I think you explained it to me better than I could ever do it, is why is this important that the Lakers get this $10 million off their books for the next two years? No, yeah, it was complicated. Like, thankfully, we have guys like Eric Pincus on Twitter, who's super helpful when it comes to all this. But, like, long story short, basically, if the league approves of this, so it's not official. The league still has to kind of go over the application uh, take a look at his medical records for when the Lakers are requesting this. And um, thankfully, he only played 22 games with the Timberwolves after he left the Lakers. If he played over 25, 
this wouldn't even have been a possibility for them to apply for. So that's what's that's all that's a very very confusing part because if it's a career ending injury they're applying for how did he go play two, 22 more games that's going to be the argument probably against this and also his basically I, but since he didn't play 25 games i don't think that should even come into consideration so i don't because mm-hmm. if orlando also did something similar with mozgov's contract a few years ago um but they have to take a look at his medical records and the how great were those contracts, Mitch Yeah, Kupchak? we have both of those. We have both those guys. But oh yeah, God. so essentially, if they approve it, and Fleek says, "Yeah, like we'll uh, that will go with it," what that can mean is for this offseason, at least, that can be the difference of keeping a guy like KCP and Rondo, while also allowing them to use their larger mid-level exception, that MLE, which should be around mm-hmm. a little over nine million. Which in this upcoming free agency market is a lot of money uh, in a market where only about three teams have a lot of cap space and a lot of free agents um, might just be looking to ring chase or might, that $9 million might be enough to get a guy we didn't expect. Maybe someone like Gallinari, someone, or we can break it up and get a couple good players. So yeah, I mean, that can be the difference of keeping Rondo, KCP, and adding an extra piece. It's a very interesting thing you just said. That could be the difference between keeping KCP, Rondo, and another piece. A year ago, or whatever long, last offseason, a year and a half ago, can you imagine saying that and actually wanting it to happen? I mean, now, like, like KCP is an important piece to this team. For sure. And Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, whatever regular season Rondo was last year, playoff and finals Rondo, an important piece to this team, you would expect. Yeah, and I know we're going to get into rondo a little later but um yeah yeah, a lot of it was it their playoff performances were very good um kcp has done a lot for this team kind of like even behind the scenes in terms of being a clutch agent and for helping the lakers get lebron and even ad to an extent rondo is someone who's really liked in the locker room uh lebron likes him a lot and like you said he had that playoff rondo stretch there that was really really helpful so, I mean, they, just, if they don't get this approved, they can still bring back KCP and Rondo. They have early bird rights on Rondo. Um, I believe they have bird rights for KCP. Um, they might have to pay them, give them some raises, which will, again, that takes some of that MLE away. But, um, yeah, so this could be interesting to see. I think it's still going to be like a month or two before we find out if they actually get approved or not. So, sorry to put you on the spot, and I'm, I don't know if you know this answer because I just popped in my head, but I did the the lakers roster could have a lot of turnover um do you know who can leave with either a player option or as a free agent yeah so basically so the guys with player options are mcgee rondo kcp and i always forget the last one so it's rondo kcp uh mcgee and guys who are on one-year deals like Dwight can also leave. Markeith Morris is also mm-hmm. can leave. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's up to those guys if they're going to opt Dudley. in or not. Yeah, Dudley's a free agent. Quint Cook is someone to keep an eye on because that he has a $3 million uh, cap hit next season, but only $1 million guaranteed. So the Lakers could cut him and save uh, $2 million in cap space. They can keep him around. They can trade that. Um, we don't know what... What about Caruso? Yeah. Uh, he signed a two-year deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have Crusoe for one more year. Uh, Kuzma, Kuzma, Danny, Green. Uh, Danny Green has one more year. 
Kuzma's going to be back, but they're going to have to make a decision on him next year in terms of his next yeah. deal. So a lot of moving pieces, if they want to bring back everyone back, they might have to pay them a little more than they earned this year. Like Dwight should get a pay raise. Rondo should get a pay raise. KCP is probably going to get a pay raise. Uh, McGee might just take what's offered to him. So a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts to the team. Would, and and obviously the biggest question, Anthony Davis. It's not official yet. So I know that Shams tweeted that's what's expected and negotiations should start here uh, soon after the uh, the the championship kind of wears off a little bit. So that there could be a whole lot of turnover. There could be very little turnover. But we do know that whatever happens with this Luol Dang contract, I can't believe it's... October 20th, 2020, and we're talking about Luol Deng's contract with the Lakers. I don't even, I don't have a single memory of Deng playing for the Lakers. All I remember him is wearing suits on the sideline. But anyways, um, it's important piece, so we'll see what happens. We don't know what the uh, request is going to look like yet, but obviously the $5 million next year, the $5 million after that, it will make a difference into what the Lakers can do going forward. And there is plenty of pieces to still make a decision on, including, like we already brought up, and we foreshadowed for you. Rajon Rondo. He signed a two-year contract July 6, 2019. But the second year is a player option. I believe it was for the veterans minimum of $2.6 million. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Rondo because at Silver Screen and Roll, we're doing a season in review where every podcast is taking a player and talking about that player and their season that they just had. Now, me and you have talked a lot about Rajon Rondo since they signed him. Um, we've talked bad about Rajon Rondo for a long stretch of time. We've talked in awe of Rajon Rondo for a short stretch of time. And last week, we were very complimentary of NBA champion, once again, Rajon Rondo. So to me, when we talked about who we wanted to do, you know, we, we didn't want to start off with the key pieces like LeBron and AD. This one to me was the easiest because if you take away the Caruso Twitter extravaganza, I don't know how many headlines Rajon Rondo had, but it was a lot because he was the most polarizing figure on this team. I know Kuzma there at the end with the petition and Danny Green and all that, but all year, the talk was about Rajon Rondo. Why is he playing so much? He's so bad. Why is Vogel still playing him? Then he gets hurt in the bubble. He misses the first eight seeding games. He comes back. He's, it takes him a little time to, to, to warm up, but then playoff Rondo shows up, and then we saw how important he was for the rest of the playoffs. When you think of Rajon Rondo this season, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, man. Um, he's such a polarizing guy, and like there's he's so bad and so good at the same time. It's really hard. Uh I, it, it's hard to get over just that last image of him, you know, with his with his kid on the floor with the confetti and everything. Um, obviously, there was a bigger sample of him not being good for the last two years now for the Lakers, but just him performing in the playoffs kind of uh, shadows all that. It just it veils all of it. I don't I don't know honestly. I just rem- I'll remember him for his run here in the playoffs, and that outweighs all the bad for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just I remember how wrong we were, but I don't think we were wrong. So it's kind of hard to say that, but I don't think we were wrong because he was not playing well in the regular season. Uh, I mean, there was a reason why Cook was getting run and Caruso was getting a run. And there was a reason why the Lakers looked good without him. I just I, I don't think we were wrong. I just think he had an incredible playoff performance. And when you look at his stats, his 
minutes went up, his field goal percentage went up, his three-point percentage went up, his free throws went up, his rebounds went up, his assists went up, his points went up, his uh, everything went up. And he just outperformed everything that he did during the regular season. And I truly am not sure how well or how far, I mean, it's how far they would have gone without him. Really, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, Could they have won the thing? Probably, but still, you don't really know. So to me, the thing that stands out is we were wrong, but yet we were right about it. So him. like like you're saying, what, what parts, like where were we wrong? Like what did we, or what did he show in the playoffs that he didn't show in the regular season, you think? That's a great question. What is it that where he was wrong? I I think his every time he shot, I still had yeah. that. No, 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 no. I still had that, and even though he made him, but I just think he was a little bit more aggressive, and and dished it out better. That to me, that's what kind of stood out the most. Is he was making plays, whether he was driving to the basket, he was hitting the jump shots, he was making threes, and maybe he was doing it during the regular season. But I just remember him having a lot of turnovers. Just kind of being stagnant, not attacking. So to me, that's what stands out. Yeah, I think that's that was it for me too. I think like just at his he's very active. Like his activity level in the playoffs was just different than the regular season. Like the last two years watching him, he just felt kind of bored out there, kind of lazy, uh, not as engaged. And I don't know if that's just because he's a veteran. He knows that the regular season really doesn't mean as much as the playoffs. Maybe he's preserving some of that energy like lebron does for the postseason but he's not lebron so he can't really like sleepwalk to having a good game even if he's not trying so in, in the playoffs i thought defensively he was more active uh he averaged 1.4 steals in the playoffs like that that was way up and like to the shot the three-point shot like you mentioned like he shot 40 percent in the playoffs he shot 32 percent in the, in the regular season that's an eight percent jump like that's ridiculous that doesn't Huge. happen yeah. Um he turned into another was he player. The team's leading, was he was he the team's leading score uh three He had to be at least be one playoffs? or two there for sure. Yeah, I don't remember let's see, I'll just look it up real quick. Three but yeah, like percentage. you said, it wasn't even just that he was shooting up well, it was that he wasn't passing them up, right? Mark, well, first of all, it was Dwight Howard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. At fifty fifty percent. Quinn Cook fifty percent. And then Markeith Morris, 42, and Rondo, 40. Yeah, so basically Markeith and, and Rondo, they're role players. Uh, yeah, but like I said, he, it wasn't that he was just making them. He wasn't passing them up. He And there a lot of them were hit big, big shots. Like those threes, a lot of them came at really key moments. So, yeah, he just mm -hmm. proved to be really clutch in the playoffs, and I don't think we really saw that in the regular season. One of the biggest improvements for John Rondo did over the course of the postseason was that we never once did a podcast where like why is rondo playing so much that's i mean that's when you shut up critics as much as he did that's one of the biggest like it doesn't have to be one single thing it could be an overall performance and he had just one of those performances where now it's like you wanted him out on the court you wanted him out on the court to close out games because did you just feel like a level of yeah. trust in him in the postseason yeah no i think for sure because a lot of those guys on the team like the role players Crusoe, kuzma they really they really haven't been on the final stage or even the playoff stage before and rondo was a guy right away in the playoffs that we felt like yeah this guy isn't scared of the moment like he he went out there and he looked confident like he was ready for this mm -hmm. that he's been through it and that's something you just can't teach like that's super valuable to have on a team to have guys who just aren't afraid of the moment and it 
it was when I say a level of trust is like I just didn't feel comfortable when Caruso had to handle the ball. I didn't feel comfortable when Kuzma was asked to make one-on-one plays. Even though he wasn't asked to do it, he was still doing it quite often. I just felt the offense ran better when it ran through Rondo or through LeBron, obviously. When it was running through those two guys, there was more effectiveness. I don't have any numbers to back this up. I'm just telling you what I feel, what I saw, what I remember. When Caruso was asked to, which it wasn't a lot in the postseason, when Caruso was asked to handle the ball and make plays, it just and honestly, that's really not his game. We figured that out, right? It's really just not his game right now. That could change in an offseason whenever this offseason starts and, and finishes. To me, it was just that was what's so important. And I think in the playoffs, when you have guys like that, I mean, Miami missed it. They didn't have it with Goran Dragic. They just asked Jimmy to do it all. And when they asked Tyler Hero to step up, you know, he just couldn't. It was just one of those things that you have this veteran guard, and we see it in the NCAA playoff in the NCAA tournament all the time. Which are the teams? Which teams do well? It's the guys with with experienced guards, with guards that you trust. And in the NBA, I don't know if that's a thing, but it definitely worked for the Lakers this year. You know, yeah, one hundred percent. And that's why it's going to be hard, like for the front office and even like you and I, to do this review on Rondo, because it's just two different sides of this, right? Like the regular season Rondo. Mm-hmm was not good like he was like he wasn't like horrible like he wasn't like please we can't play him any minutes but he just wasn't as good as guys like bradley and caruso and maybe that's why we didn't hear so much of like why is rondo playing so much in the playoffs because we didn't have bradley so without bradley he was going to play regardless and caruso was going to play regardless but what if bradley was playing and caruso's minutes were the ones going to rondo and we were I wonder how much we would complain then if Crusoe wasn't playing and it was Rondo and Bradley. Like, it's just questions like that. I don't, it's hard to kind of, I don't know, analyze Rondo when he was just so different in two different parts of this year. We had so much, um, we had so many questions, right, before the bubble started back up, especially once Bradley went out, about this position. And Bradley doesn't play the point guard position, but we were like, whose minutes, like, where are these minutes going to go? And is Quinn Cook going to play? Like, what's happening? Like, there were so many questions about the point guard position all season long. And because when they played guards like Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Jamal Murray, just guys that the Lakers historically have never been able to guard a point guard like them. And yet... They're the ones that advance the finals. They're the ones that win the finals. And it was a lot of it to do. Listen, obviously, when I say a lot of it to do, there's pecking orders, right? LeBron, AD, Casey, like we know like who played what. But you still got to, you have to know your role, accept your role. And Rondo excelled in his role in the playoffs. And yeah, like like you said, it it is. And then that's a really good point. How does the front office evaluate if he opts out? What is he what does he think he's worth and what does the front office think he's worth? Cause that's going to be two. Obviously that's negotiations. It's two different questions because how do you evaluate someone that did not perform well in the, in the regular season or do they think he performed well in the regular season? Cause Vogel kept playing him, and Vogel kept saying he does things that are not in the, in the box score. He does things that you can't measure in stats. And I, I forget the line that he said in the playoffs, like he's, what he brings is measured in swag. Yeah. Is that what he said? So maybe the front office, maybe the coaching staff looks at Rondo a whole different way than me and you and Laker fans I mean, I think do. they definitely do. And I think that goes for the coaching staff and the players in the locker room. And I think that's also valuable, and that's something we have to kind of acknowledge. Like, they're seeing something on a daily basis that we aren't, that in their eyes is valuable to have on the team, right? Um, 
like like so if we if we're working off like we could just assume he's opting out i think that was reported somewhere that he's probably opting out which i think was gonna happen regardless he's making the minimum he probably wants to like make a little more money especially after his performance in the playoffs like you don't have that performance just like yeah i'll take another minimum deal you know like he wants to get paid yeah but how many but but i agree with you but someone that's going to be 35 years old next year but someone that that you know it's not without critics like how much more can he possibly? So maybe ask it's for? not money. Maybe he's asking for years. Like maybe he's asking for a, a multi-year deal, even if the money's not much. And more. how? Because I don't know the list of free agents. I haven't even looked at it. Still on that championship hangover. But maybe what if he opts out and the Lakers are like, okay, that, that let's could move be on. The case. Like what? Who else is out there that that can come in for the veterans minimum? How many players are going to be willing? to take a veteran's minimum to ride this championship coattail. We've seen it many times before on other teams. And who's to say that there's not somebody better, somebody else that's better out there. Worst case scenario. What if Anthony Davis leaves? Now you got to go make some moves and you got You're probably not really worried about Rajon Rondo at that point. Are you? So at this moment in time, October 20th, I still think there's so many questions before you even get to Rondo that if he opts out, I mean, it could, it could create a whole avalanche of other moves. Yeah, I, and again, that goes back to what the front office is trying to do this offseason. Are they taking the approach of, let's just run it back. Let's secure everyone that was crucial to this playoff run. And, oh, Avery Bradley was the guy who can opt out. <laughs> now, that, uh, now that I think about it, when we're going over which guys can opt out or not. But, so do they bring everyone back and then maybe just fill in around the margins there? Or do they say... Like, like you just said, do we let Rondo go and try to make an upgrade? Because in the regular season, he wasn't really hacking it, you know? Maybe go after a guy like DJ mm-hmm. Augustine, Jeff Teague. Like, a guy we can maybe get the minimum who could probably offer a bit more than Rondo can at this stage of his career. Or, again, you don't want to make guys like LeBron or AD upset either. I think Rondo and AD are very close. If re-signing Rondo helps AD's decision at all, you do it. So I think all these are factors that Rob Plinka and the rest of the front office have to to factor in. Yeah. I'm just looking at a list of free agents. I don't know who's unrestricted. I don't know who's restricted. Obviously, Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, Fred Van Vliet, Danilo Gallinari, DeMar DeRozan, Montrez Harrell, uh, Davis Burtons, Jeremy Grant, Goran Dragic. Gordon Hayward. There's players out there that are going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, another side note before we get out of here this week, and this may not be a side note. This actually may this may be an equally big move just in the coaching side of things. Phil Handy says he will be back with the Lakers next season. Phil Handy will not be joining the Brooklyn Nets or any other team next season, which was kind of rumored. He told KRON4 News, I'm a Los Angeles Laker. What's next for me is to wait for Frank Vogel to pick up the phone and text me or call me and give me what my next directives are. So Phil, Phil Handy, who has been to sh- who's been part of the coaching staff for six straight consecutive NBA Finals, will be back with the Lakers next yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, if if that indeed happens and it's official, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I think a lot of guys benefited from Phil Handy being there. I thought Kuzma was a guy that looked a lot better with Phil, Phil Handy's experience. And I think AD also... Uh, credited Phil Handy a lot for his skill work and he has this long reputation of 
of working with some of the best players like Kawhi and getting them to that next level. And uh, like you're saying, like a lot of teams were aggressive to try to get him this offseason. I know Brooklyn was a team that was tied to him a lot. So just securing him, and again, that goes back to the front office trying to run things back with everyone in place. And that same goes for the coaching staff. Yeah, uh, I don't think Jason Kidd's going to come back. Um, <laughs> I think he's probably going to get a look somewhere. But we'll see what happens with the coaching staff. Too. Lots of questions for the Lakers. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of players that want to join this team after they after they did what they did. But to me, the number one question, Anthony Davis, can you hurry up? Can you hurry up and resign? They'll make us feel a lot better. Alex, any? Uh, I know you're writing a lot for the Throwdowns. I saw your Twitter this weekend. Uh, promote what's happening there on your on your yeah. Newsletter. So I'm gonna do like a like we just did today, where I'm gonna start looking at the off season, the draft. People forget the Lakers have a first round pick this year. They can add another nice little young piece at around like 28, 29 point in the draft. Uh, I'm going to do some draft stuff, free agent previews. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of people from Twitter, uh, from other teams and other sites and people I follow who are going to be helping out with that. So if you want to check that out, it's throwdowns.substack.com. At Alex M. Regla is your Twitter. Check it out. Subscribe. Do it all on over there my name is alex padilla at alex padilla 86 alex by the time people listen to this the game might be started but good luck to you in the world series i am personally am not hopeful that kershaw does great today but let me explain why let me explain why and you can hate me for saying this dodger fans but i think this is the truth coming from an outsider i think a lot of you guys have turned your back on clay and kershaw in the playoffs and I don't think you guys deserve a good Clay and Kershaw performance from him. I don't think you guys deserve it because y'all turned your back on Clay and Kershaw. So if he goes out there and is masterful, like there'll be a lot of apology tweets out there. Not good enough. I think you guys turned your back on him, man. I th- I hope Kershaw comes out again. Uh, you know what? It's not. I. Uh, so with Kershaw, you do like do you get oh, what no. I'm saying? And that's with like, any fan base. I mean, we have those people, the Lakers, who are starting petitions of to go against Danny Green and Kuzma or whatever. We have dumb people in any fan base, right? Um, mm-hmm. With the Kuzma... But don't you feel like a lot of the majority of the of Dodger fans like have done it? Because, it listen, Danny Green and Kuzma, it was one series. Like, relax, and right? Players, right? With, and they're role players. Kershaw has been years of this. So I feel like it's it's gained momentum. Like, the, the, the people have turned on him. And, I mean, I, and that's fair. You know, there's fans definitely who have turned on him. I, I am not one of those fans. I think a lot of his struggles aren't just his own. I think he's been put in poor situations. I think he's been in innings longer than he should be. He's faced one or two extra batters that he probably shouldn't have. Um, at the same time, he also hasn't pitched to the level that he's shown he could pitch at, which is one of the best of all time. So he already has these high standards that is really hard to match. Um, that said, I just want him to do well. Like I personally, for this guy, he's such a good guy. He does so much charity yeah. work. Um, he's just genuinely like seems like a good person, and to see him and he's a and he's a oh, Hall of Fame pitcher, no man. Like, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the 200 wins yet, but like, dude, the guy is an all-class like hall of fame i just pitcher. can't i can't do another zoom in 
to the dugout with him just looking heartbroken. Those kill me every year. It happens every every mm-hmm. playoff series. It's just these zoom ins with his head down and him just trying to figure out what went wrong. I can't do that again this year. Give me your prediction right now. For Kershaw for the series. Oh, I think, I, 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 I think Kershaw is going to finally break through here. I think he's going to pitch a great game one. Dodgers are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win in six. I got Dodgers. I'm going to say seven because I want to see oh, Kershaw no, pitch I game can't. seven again. My heart can't take that. <laughs> Here's the thing about Kershaw pitching game one. That means he's available two more times oh, after this. He, oh, God. Yeah, I can. I can. The sports handle got – listen, man. The sports gods – after the year we've had where we went four months with no sports this is this is the kind of stuff that we signed (laughs) up for so thank you um all right alex good luck to you man good luck to all you dodger fans out there i'm just a jealous (laughs) padre fan don't listen to me that's all uh subscribe spotify apple silver screen and roll at lakers sbn silver screen and roll.com for all your lakers news and we will talk to you guys next week alex thanks